Hello and welcome to Uptime with Data Center Knowledge, the podcast that brings you the news and views from the global data center industry. My name is Max Smolax, editor at Data Center Knowledge, and in this episode, we will discuss bare metal computing and its role in the modern digital infrastructure landscape. To look at the subject in detail, I'm pleased to welcome brothers Jacob and Zach Smith, the co-founders of Packet, a bare metal hosting specialist that was acquired by Equinix in 2020 and now serves as the foundation of the company's new Equinix Metal service. And today, Zach is Managing Director of Equinix Metal and Jacob is VP of Bare Metal Strategy and Marketing at Equinix. Hello, Jacob, Zach. Hey, Max. Nice to see you. Hey, Max. Thanks for having us. It's fantastic to have you here because I've been following Packet for several years. It always seemed like a very exciting business. I've, I've, I've met Jacob before on the show floor. So I was pleased to see that the world's largest data center operator was taking an interest in this and, um, you know, putting, putting their money where the mouth is. So I guess my first question is, how is life at Equinix? Because, um, you know, world's largest data center operator, what are some of the challenges or changes that have happened at Packet as it transitions from being a startup to a corporate division? Cool. Zach, you want to, you want to take the startup to scale up question first? Um, sure. Well, you know, you, you mentioned it well, Max. I mean, Equinix is a, is a big company. I think we have over 10,000 employees. We're active in 240 plus data centers and 65 markets. So it's big, right? And um, the one thing that Packet was, was small startups, you know, um, prioritize agility and um, I'm going to call it quick decisioning, mainly because they have no other advantages. They have no scale. They have very few customers. You know, you don't have the, the, the kind of oomph of the industry behind you. And so the transition into being at a market leader um, from what was a, you know, a startup, which is naturally kind of a disruptor role, has been a transition for me. Um, and certainly uh, it's exciting in, in certain ways because you can see much more of the industry, your impact can be way greater, but culturally you have to adopt different strategies. And so you know, I've certainly had to adapt as a leader um, from a founder and CEO of a small business um, to an executive at a big global company. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's certainly been a personal journey for me. Yeah, I'll add to it. I mean, the culture part is is huge, but really an exciting one. Equinix has a great culture. I mean, really grounded in some of the shared values that we had at Packet around neutrality and staying foundational, you know, like like serving the technology ecosystem, but doing it with a certain purpose in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of founding value that Equinix has, you know, in its name uh, has really helped, you know, with the uh, integration of two really different kinds of companies. I mean, certainly, you know, Packet's not the whole story. Metal's not the whole story. It's been part of a larger strategy, which is how do we look at digital infrastructure? How do we provide Equinix value in a new way? You know, when maybe you don't want to rack and stack your own servers in Golo, like how do you deliver that? And that requires kind of thinking about new customers, building a lot of software. <laughs> and those changes like are, are big within the company. So I think it's actually been pretty exciting from, from that side. You learn a lot, as Zach said. Um, but, you know, externally, it's been huge. I mean, we're able to have a much bigger reach, you know, that just the, the sort of trust that sort of sits with the Equinix brand in the market. You know, when, when you're saying, hey, do you want to move your stuff over to my infrastructure? Most people don't want to do that lightly. <laughs> you know, it's really an important decision. It's foundational. So having like trust and scale behind that, I think is just like a requirement. Yes. But let's talk about the actual hardest issue, which is we had to go from G Suite 
to Office 365. Don't bring it up, Zach. I mean, PowerPoint to, yeah. (laughs) Google Slides to PowerPoint. It was a very big transition. We're still working through it. Therapy. I, I can I can relate. It's a big one, absolutely. Uh, and um, yes, yeah, so, 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 so I've chatted uh, with with, with uh, Jacob. And um, yes, so just for our listeners, so Equinix Metal is live in eighteen sites today, and is going to be twenty seven before the end of the year. So if if, you, if anything that you've heard about here sounds exciting, you can really go out try it. You know, like this is a service from Equinix. I think um, officially launched last year, right? That's right. Yeah, we kind of rebranded the packet service. You know, so one aspect was rebranding; the other was really to move it into Equinix data centers. Because what's kind of special about Equinix Metal is the Equinix part. <laughs> you know, otherwise it's it's just bare metal servers, right? We can talk about that more in a minute. But you know, and then adding interconnection capability, kind of integrating with our other product sets like Network Edge and Fabric, and you know, kind of tapping into that Equinix value. Um, we launched it back in, I guess it was October, tw- uh, 2021. Does that sound mm-hmm. right? Oh gosh. No, October, 2020, Jacob, oh, you gosh. got your years wrong. Years fly. Yeah. So we've been in market about, you know, 18 months and it's been a wild ride. Super, super fun ride from a, from a go to market perspective. Yeah. And a and little bit of a dream come true for me because, you know, I've been an Equinix customer since 2001, um, throughout my career. And, um, now customers can access that global reach of Equinix, which is you can get almost everywhere. Um, and you can do so with the interconnection, um, those ecosystem access that, that people frankly come to Equinix to enjoy, but you can do it by logging on to Equinix Metal, putting in your username, you know, swiping a credit card and, you know, 15 minutes later, be active in 20 markets around the world with neutral infrastructure. That has not actually been possible um, for for at least my part of the career. So that's really exciting to see that happen and and for customers to be able to experience that global reach and, and neutral access of Equinix, but with a whole new um, you know uh, methodology. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a very like a very easy, convenient way to interact with this technology, but. Um... There was obviously a time when all servers were bare metal servers, you know, like before hypervisors and all of the things that I kind of like we layered on top of it. Uh, but today we live in an age of cloud computing and everything as a service. So who yeah. are the customers signing up for bare metal today and, and, and why are they doing it? Cool. Max, let me start with this one. This is Jacob. So first of all, I like to joke that no one really cares about servers or bare metal. And I, I mean that in, a, in a, like a humble way. It's like people care about what they can do with that. You know? And most people don't care about data centers either. Right. Absolutely, they don't. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a select few of us that they really love data centers. But that's not the value uh, per se. It's the transaction method. It's the way that we monetize, the way we give access. Um, but but I think that the, the the kind of thing that's special about bare metal is choice. Right? It, it represents ability to define, hey, do I want multi-tenancy? Where do I want it? How do I want it to work? 100% choice. That mm-hmm. comes with responsibility as well, right? You have to manage more than you would. And so really finding that balance of what I would call cloud experience, which mm-hmm. you can loosely call programmability, right? Repeatability. Uh, you know, some people have a definition of cloud that includes a lot of stuff, you know, like, you know, voice recognition as a service. We're not, we don't see it that way. We see cloud experience, at least for the part that we're working on with digital infrastructure is about automation, programmability, and scalability. Uh, and then there's these things on top that really the cloud is complementary to, right? The cloud is a major partner to to us as a business, but where most of our customers want to interact is between cloud and edge and all those things that are happening. So bare metal, interesting, 
great trend. It's coming back again. It's going to be cool, you know. But in the end, uh, it's a it's a way to have opinion about your 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 stack. Absolutely. But uh, do you have like a sort of like a preferred customer type? You know, like what kind of organizations typically go for bare metal service? You know, like is it kind of like is it is it is more enthusiast market? You know, like software developers, maybe some open source guys. Are large corporations also interested in this, and do they have applications for yeah. it? Well, I mean, we, we think about customers in two ways. First and foremost, um, and, and Packet started with um, the, the GitHub data model, where first the user, right, which is who's the actual practitioner touching and accessing the infrastructure. And so in that regard, um, Equinix Metal really attracts a software-empowered automation um, preferencing, you know, a uh, customer who wants to automate infrastructure. They're also interested in more fundamental opinion. So generally you've got um, developers, DevOps leaders, et cetera, who have a strong amount of opinion, as Jacob was mentioning, around their stack. Mm -hmm. um, and they, But they still want to have that gating option of automation because they're doing a CI pipeline. They're using Terraform. They want to automate the entire viewpoint, including automating the data center. And that's really what Metal gives them, is Metal gives them a way to instantiate from the very time of a boot process of a machine, you know, the physical data center. And so you can really have full control over your software stack. So I would say that's first and foremost is users who are developer oriented or DevOps empowered, you know, appreciate and are attracted to Equinix. Um, those customers work everywhere, of course, they are all types of companies. Um, but in terms of the actual core target user, these are digital leaders. These are customers who have um, a strong investment in infrastructure. They're looking for global reach. So that's, you know, service provider platforms, content platforms, media, um, other types of, um, I'm going to call it verticalized enterprises that are already in to technology like automotive or broadcasting or, you know, anybody who's got that kind of, you know, high amount of investment in technology around their business, but comma, they have to value automation. <laughs> if they don't, you know, they're already kind of doing something else. They're okay. Like with, with, uh, there are other models and ways to, to access infrastructure without that. But that seems to be the limiter is users who value automation, enterprises who are investing heavily in technology and need that global reach with that uh, programmability. Yeah, let's talk about that though. Cause there's, there's also just like the broader IT and enterprise uh, you know, market, which is a big part of Equinix's customer base right now, right? Mm. And they benefit a lot from basically, like you said, closing, you know, closing out of like legacy strategies and legacy infrastructure and moving to the next one, call it cloud, mm -hmm. call it operated, you know, whatever you want. We did that Equinix with data centers a long time ago. People used to build all their own data centers. Now they've generally decided it's not worth doing that, most of them. <laughs> and then there's this next transition around, well, can you operate more of the infrastructure for me? We mm -hmm. really see, I mean, internally, we call our service like hardware as a service or data center as a service. And that infrastructure as a service layer is really, you know, the the, the, the software partners and the cloud partners that we have, which are coming in, say, a, you know, people want to run VMware, you know, on top of metal. They want to run, you know, Kubernetes on top of, on top of metal, not not directly consuming metal. And so I think right. that that's a nuance that we're facing yeah. this as an ecosystem, like Equinix kind of always has. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we see a lot of partners kind of enabling those higher, you know, higher level use cases that are certainly mm -hmm. finding their way to us, but mm -hmm. usually with a partner. It's a kind of a one plus one equals three thing. Yeah. Okay, just bare metal alone is not going to give you what you need. Like, yeah, you, 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 you also need like a software partner. But um, 
One of the things you mentioned is that you you actually developed a lot of software at Packet and I guess Equinix now, and it's just like it's an unusual idea to think about Equinix as a software developer. So what kind of tools are we talking about? Is it is it kind of like management and optimization and uptime and all the software all the time. all the software all the time? <laughs> yeah, you know we we have um, about three hundred people working on Equinix Metal today, including you know a significant broader investment in our platform services and related here at Equinix. Think programmable interconnection like Fabric, think our programmable NFVs like Network Edge, et cetera. But in Metal, what we're focused on is, I would say, and we, we've been doing this, I'm, my, my, my wife probably thinks you're so boring. Well, I don't know. Well, she thinks I'm boring anyways, but like I'm boring about the same thing I do at work every day, which is like, we're just focused on automating fundamental hardware. We've been doing that for seven years. And frankly, it's still so, I mean, for me, it's an exciting journey. There's so much to do. When you think about making physical hardware, no matter what it is, we're talking Dell hardware, some new NVIDIA thing, like this car, that like, there's so much to make the state and management of that repeatable so that a software user on the other end can harness the power of that technology, but not have to understand all the systems integration part of it, right? Does this optic work with that cable, work with this switch, work with that NIC, with that firmware? And th- th- so what we're doing is we're writing constantly kind of that fundamental automation framework. And we've open sourced as much of it as we can. So putting it in the Linux Foundation through CNCF, our workflow management and state control related to bare metal hardware, it's called Tinkerbell, um, you know, putting out most of what, what we can related to firmware control, base management controllers, et cetera. And then the orchestration thereof for the experience so our customers can get a great portal and a great API to touch all of that. Now, I would say that beyond those base level experiences and constantly trying to move the ecosystem forward for making hardware just work, you know, what we're also dealing with is just a scale problem. How do we get this into a few hundred data centers? How do we scale software, independent distributed systems, working across you know, 40 markets and you know, thousands of different customer deployments, both public and private? That is in and of itself a huge portion of what we do. Yeah, I would say that as a service operator, tooling is probably where we spend most of our time. I mean, people pay us for the value, but they, no one like rewards you for like, oh my gosh, you provisioned a server for me? <laughs> so much it's like that's kind of the expectation you know right like I mean, they turned on <laughs> oh, yeah, congratulations right, right. Uh, yeah. but the the ability to be an operator at scale involves really boring but very important things like billing metering rating price booking invoice you know like at scale for a zillion things in a different ways right things like asset management like knowing what all the things are and where they're at and what state they're in <laughs> which mac address goes with which nick and what hardware to what switch everywhere and this is certainly devices. you know what most companies at scale have looked at there's a lot of crusty old open source tooling around it to, sh- to kind of prove that but the hyperscalers of course have have invested in and really lead lead the pack there i think where we differentiate and what we're trying to do first of all what can we do in the open this kind of question because we want digital leaders to be excellent at digital infrastructure make that market better bigger and we think Equinix is going to be the best place for them to do it. <laughs> um, but also just the idea that we're looking at a heterogeneous environment. We, we People come to Equinix because they want an opinion about that, like where it is. Oh, it's going to be an NY4 next to NASDAQ. You know, that's not a generic ask, right? Or I really need it to scale in this way at this cost or reach these users. Those are all very 
kind of specific differentiators that makes the infrastructure that we're helping our customers operate very different. <laughs> and so it kind of pushes us to build automation that's much more foundational and also much more flexible. Okay, make, makes sense. And and certainly, yes, there there are attractions to Equinix that you just, you just can't find anywhere else. Yes. And, and, and you've touched upon this, but um, where does biometal hit fit into hybrid cloud strategies because in january for example network specialist ariak reported on a survey of 1600 it professionals found that more than half were planning to close all of their on-prem data centers in the next two years uh, so does this align with what you're seeing you know this sort of like extinction event caused by the pandemic among on-premises on data centers and and how will this change your data center the data center industry or do you think like with all surveys, you know, like they must might have uh, made the problem seem bigger than it is. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, this was happening before the pandemic. Certainly Equinix had a front row seat to people closing their data centers and looking for a new way to do that. You know, that's been a trend that we've been a part of. And a lot of that has been about finding their hybrid kind of home. Like where are they home, you know, home rooming their network assets? Where are they kind of like, in, you know, home rooming their data? Yep. You know, looking at their data and then obviously how do they reach the places they're trying to reach clouds and users, connected vehicles, whatever. Right. <laughs> so like we've been a part of that story and the pandemic just kind of pushed the gas on as we all kind of, you know, saw um, to, to, to me. And I'm, I'm fairly new to the data center industry. I came in uh, from classical music seven years ago, so I don't have the same vantage point that Zach does. But I don't think uh, the death of the on-prem data center is really a a problem for, for Equinix, certainly, but even for customers. It's like, it's about what are you best in the world at? And are you going to be best in the world at operating your data center? You know, for some people, that's a yes. And for a lot of people, it's a no. <laughs> and as we move forward, like our job is to figure out, well, where can we really fit? Uh, and where do we not go? You know, like we made a very specific decision early in the, you know, journey with Equinix you know, customers like, could you make it easier by like, you know, doing VMs and Kubernetes for me, containers? And, I, you know, a lot of people are like, we should consider that. And we're like, I don't know. Like we have partners who are called VMware and AWS who are really good at those things. And let's, let's be really good at what we're really good at. <laughs> and so I think that's part of our view of how this can, can go forward is that it's going to be an eco, what we call like an ecosystem of providers. Like you're going to assemble the components that you need, right? And that, that's going to include a very diverse and evolving group of things called software and hardware and networks and whatever. And our job is to help to enable that to happen and to connect it all. So I gave you a little bit of our view, like where does bare metal go? I think it gets sexier. I mean, silicon is pretty cool right now. And I, there's kind of an overarching trend there where we do hear it from customers who are looking for hybrid cloud, why they want to move out of siloed on-premise data centers where they're having to bring all sorts of connectivity and technology and ecosystems to them. That's very expensive, especially considering how many ecosystem partners most enterprises interact with just from I need to talk to Salesforce and I have to have a VPN that goes into this and I need private connectivity to AWS. And, and, star, and, you right? know, blah, 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 right? and so there's just a general movement out of, I'm going to call it siloed on-premise data centers into neutral, interconnected, ecosystem-driven data centers like Equinix. Um, 
But what we see is just a movement where people are asking to remove the friction, global supply chain challenges, flight restrictions. How do I get my on-site team to Melbourne to rack and stack this so I can get my two racks of things going? Um, and, then, and then the longer term trends around um, building and operating that in the most efficient and sustainable manner. Um, things like help me track my assets in a secure way, help me um, dispose of my technology in a, in a manner that's responsible, um, help me run it with increasingly um, you know, improving PUEs and less energy. Oh, and could you help me measure that so I can report on it to my shareholders or to my governance boards? And so there's a lot of movement from enterprises to say, help make it easier for me while still giving me that choice because you know what, I'm invested in, Dell technologies, or I'm a strong user of Pure, or I, I really love my NetApp software that's tied in with all these things. Like, and so they want that choice, but remove the friction along the way. Yes. And um, there was this expression. I'm not sure people still use it. One neck to choke, right? right. <laughs> one to punch. It's very, very, it's much more peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was to, to the point that, that there is an actual company called One Neck IT. And that was, that was the main <laughs> idea, you know? Yeah, I'm surprised they're still alive right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that's the question of can someone, it, is one, one throat to choke, one nose to punch a reality? I think... For, for infrastructure, probably not. Um, but can you have primary relationships and can you have things operated for you that you don't want to operate? I think that's where people are making decisions. And that's why we see multi-cloud and other things, because there's, you know, there's, there's a lot more writing on these decisions than in the past. And, you know, to say, hey, well, it's just our app, you know, that runs our thing is you know, not true for most businesses anymore. It's much more central to their business. And so they have a lot more invested in how it works, when it moves, you know, how it evolves, all that stuff. And it's, it's moving beyond software. And that's why I think when I, said, I jokingly said bare metal gets a little bit more sexy is because software is working its way down and people are bringing more of their software opinion with them. And inevitably, we're talking about where physical and digital or hardware and software kind of intersect is where a lot of the magic happens. Absolutely. And um, probably my last question. So you've man managed, uh, uh, you mentioned sustainability and uh, sustainability is obviously a massive area of interest for our clinics, you know, like that's, that's what most of their kind of interaction with the market these days is about, you know, like if you, yeah. if, if, if you, if you get a press release from Equinix, half of it is going to be about, you know, like, well, this is how we made this facility green, you know, like they're doing things like tapping into groundwater. That's like the latest facility in Munich. Yeah. Is actually kind of like using using groundwater will be using yeah. groundwater for cooling, and you know like all of their new builds have greenery on the roof and other things like that. So obviously you're not involved in 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 architecture. You're not going to design the green roof over the of our building. But what can you do on the bare metal yeah. side to improve sustainability? You know like and, and and do all these things where it's just like it's demonstrable and people can take it to their boards to the you know like show that they're doing doing the right thing. Yeah, um, well, this is an area of particular passion, um, you know, for myself and also for the leadership at Equinix. So it's it's not on accident that it's a big part of what we do because internally we're spending a ton of time on it. Um, the where the place where it, it becomes interesting beyond our overall design and construction, our you know our own internal goals of scope two and scope three, you know, kind of emission reporting and reduction by two thousand thirty, um, et cetera, is that. When we're in the business of helping to operate the hardware, now we can take the building systems that before in a multi-tenant data center 
we could really only take it down to the cage, right? We can help you with cooling and power. We give you power whips. We get, you know, here's an A side and a B side. We've got these generators out back, you know, with diesel, like, you know, all the things, right? And we've got cooling, which is general purpose. But, you know, once we now can help operate the computer, we can bring those building systems all the way down to the machine. And so we've been focused on um, an open source initiative within Linux Foundation called Open19, where we work with OEMs such as Cisco and Supermicro and ASRock and Inspur, as well as supply chain like Schneider Electric and Vertiv and Molex and Amphenol and cooling providers like Cool IT and Zutacore and you know the industry as it were, and working with partners to have standard open standards around pluggable liquid cooling and power management. Um, and so what we feel is really the opportunity here is if Equinix can help um, within our own facilities for our customers to operate hardware, no matter what it is, it's from an OEM partner, it's something that you brought in, can we give you our scale and oomph of investment around things like pluggable liquid cooling, where suddenly we can have closed loop cooling instead of evaporative cooling and, you know, um, offset or remove the evaporation of millions of gallons of water per facility? Could we, you know, reduce energy consumption by 30 to 40% per machine because we're not running fans? Could we, um, you know, move to 48 volt power and give you software defined power that, um, you know, dynamically switch so that if you needed high availability, you got it. And if you didn't, we weren't having to build N plus one for every power circuit. You know, so there's a, a ton of innovation that we can do. Um, I think we have to do it as an industry together. There's no way any one company can solve these sustainability problems and no verticalized proprietary solution is going to work because you can't access it everywhere. So we're really interested as Equinix to work together, again, using our ecosystem-driven approach in the open to create this very disruptive ways where we can have sustainable or even net zero data center and IT footprints. Yeah, and I'll just close it out, Max, because the, the difference, like that Zach mentioned, now we're operating the computer, like flows through a lot of our learnings. You know, a lot of people probably looked at Equinix when they acquired Pack and they're like, ah, oh, risky going into the cloud space, eh? Actually, just think about what our customers do right after they get a cage. They put servers in racks with network. That's what we're doing. And just by moving that one step up, we have so much more empathy and insight and responsibility to what our customers do every day in tens of thousands of racks, which is put computers and networks and operate them and cool them and do all the things related to it. And so we have a front row seat to some of the customer pains. Even, even as simple, Jacob, is like getting servers into the data center and having to get rid of the packaging. Can we work with the supply chain to have reusable packaging? Mm -hmm. Could, you know, like, can we do that? Yep. That is something that we can actually help our customers with and also help ourselves with, right. you know? So there, there's this like nice vitreous cycle now that we're there sitting next to our customers doing this aspect down to the server that we can really bring to bear, you know, our global real estate footprint and supply chain access to improve. Yeah, exactly. So it is, it is sort of a, you know, it does, you know, optically, you know, look like we're, hey, we're getting into a new business, same business, same, same foundational thing, really enabling customers to reduce friction. And then these opportunities are really for innovation, right? And I think the kind of open, like we talked at the beginning of, of the interview, that sort of open, neutral kind of ecosystem ethos that was the founding of Equinix and kind of persists today. That's what drives how we're going to do it and why we're going to do it.
you know, versus just like, hey, there's a market there and people want to buy computers. Of course they do, right? right. <laughs> it's the digital world. <laughs> well, Max, that's kind of that's kind of the long, the short story long, if you if you might call it. So thanks for letting us speak about it. You know, no, no, no. It sounds fantastic. It's a very ethical view at, on on a data center business. So so you know, like I'm, I'm I'm rooting for you guys. Best of luck in your business. I'm afraid this is everything we have time for today. But um, we will absolutely will continue watching what happens to Equinix Metal and bare metal computing in general. Good luck with rolling out those additional locations and uh, hopefully, you know, see you on the show floor or at an event somewhere and um, let us know if you're building something interesting. Sounds good. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Cheers.